You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. John 3.17 is one of the greatest verses. It's it's as great as John 3.16. Here's what John 3.17 says. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. The devil's trying to trick us. He's doing a pretty good job of it. And people, broad is the road. Broad is the road that leads to destruction and few there are that find it. Not because it's not clear which way to go. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Our lives are filled with deception. The enemy is always looking for a way to attack and lead us down a broad road to destruction. In today's message, Pastor Danny reminds us of the verses in the book of John that tell us the road to life is narrow, the road to Jesus. When you know Him as your Lord and Savior, you become a new person. The old has gone and the new has come. You're set on a new path and an important purpose for your newfound life is to lead others to this life-giving path. Show them Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, Communion with God. John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now just stop and think about that. I mean, you can just chew on that on an evening, just that one verse. You're not a speck of darkness in God. He's light. Speaks of his holiness, his his sinlessness, and his, his perfection etc., etc. There, there's not even a shadow. God reveals shadows, but there's no shadows in him. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. You know what that is? That's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. That's what he's talking about. We claim to have fellowship with him. Hey, good to see you, brother. Praise the Lord. Great to see you at church. And yet you could say that. You could say that. And if we, if we've we're able to follow one another 24-7 between now and next Sunday. Woo-hoo-hoo. A lot of National Enquirer kind of stuff, baby. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. And there are things done in secret. There are things done in, in people's lives. I mean, people that attend church regularly. Hypocrisy. What a stupid argument for somebody to say, I don't don't go to church, there are too many hypocrites here. Well, where else would you find a hypocrite? That's where they are in the church. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But he goes on. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now stop and think about that. It seems like there he's talking about Pharisees. The Pharisees, Jesus had the most difficult time with the Pharisees because the Pharisees, the claim they can see. What they meant by that was uh, they didn't feel they needed a Savior because they're not only Jewish, but they're following the law of Moses. And they look around at the, the pagans in the world, you know, and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners, and they're not like them. I mean, these guys are fasting twice a week. They're giving a tenth of all they get. Uh, they're following all the religious rules on the outside the dish is clean, man. On the outside, you go, Ooh, wow, they're clean. But it's a real problem. Real, you got a real problem when only, you're only comparing yourself with other people. <laughs> because you can always find somebody who looks worse than you. And that's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus said, because you claim you can see, you're blind. If you were blind, you'd be able to see. They wouldn't admit they had a need. They wouldn't admit that they had a need for a Savior. There's some people that actually believe. They actually believe that they're the kind of person, they're a nice person, they're upstanding, respected in the community, and they think they're going to heaven because of that. They really believe it. The Pharisees believed it. You read Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. They sought to establish their own righteousness, and they didn't get the righteousness of God because they sought to establish their own. They thought they were good enough. Nobody's good enough. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody's good enough. Nobody. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Ah, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Now, what that verse sounds like to me, he's going a bit deeper. Now, it sounds like he's talking about somebody, there is sin in their lives, but they're keeping it hidden, and when they get confronted, they just deny it. And the word has no place because they don't want to stop. They don't want to stop what they're doing because they're enjoying it. And so the word doesn't move them, doesn't change them, because they're going to keep on doing it. Chapter 2, look what he says. My dear children, there he goes, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. He's talking about hidden sin, habitual hidden sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Oh, man, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Did you catch the gravity of that? you catch the weight of that? You, you talk about a defense lawyer. When nobody else can get you off, he can get you off. When nobody else will forgive you, he'll forgive you. You can sin against your wife in such a way you end up divorced. Even as a Christian, you have a hard time forgiving what they did to you. You have a hard time. And when men won't forgive you, guess what God will? You talk about a defense lawyer. You can't get a better one. And he doesn't even charge you. Here's what he says. You come into his office, he said, put it on my tab. 
I took it all. I paid it all. But here's the challenge. We don't come clean naturally. We, we don't easily come clean. You know why? I don't know if it ever really happened, but there's a story that goes, and lots of pastors have told the story, but it's a good one. It says, pastor went out one Saturday to visit some church members at one house. It was obvious that someone was home, but nobody came to the door, even though the preacher knocked several times. Finally, the preacher took out his card, wrote out Revelation 3.20 on the back, and stuck it in the door. Maybe you don't know it. Well, it goes like this. It's Jesus, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So pastor wrote that on his card, stuck it in the door. Sunday, next day, they're at church, and the card that he left at the door, on the door, turned up in the collection plate. And below the preacher's message was written the following notation. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> and now the pastor understands why nobody came to the door. <laughs> you know where that comes from, don't you? Genesis chapter 3. It's right there, the opening pages of the Bible. It's the first man, the first woman. They're married. God married them. Their names are Adam and Eve. God had told him, uh, you can enjoy paradise, and you don't even have to wear clothes. And they did. There was nothing wrong with it. And there they are, in paradise, naked, running around, you know, pineapple, bananas. There's all kind of wild animals, but they're not wild. You talk about an amazing world. you got the most beautiful woman in the world to be your wife. She's the only woman in the world. She's she's the most beautiful woman in the world. But you got to know, she had to be a knockout. I mean, the way Adam looked at her and said, whoa, man. And that's what we'll call her, whoa, man, woman. (laughs) And they're just living it up. We don't know how long, but it was before Eve could conceive her first child and God had commanded them, be fruitful and multiply. And so nothing preventing her from getting pregnant. But before she could get pregnant, Man, things go south. God said you can eat from any of the trees in the garden. One tree, one tree. Now, if I was going to God's board of directors, I would have suggested the tree be put way back in the corner of paradise where you can't find it, you know. You know, God talked about that tree. Well, I've never seen the tree. He put that thing way out. No, he put it right in the middle. Right there in the middle. It's right there. And he told Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the other trees. You can have, have at it, but this one tree. The day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. And then the serpent shows up. And he plants doubt. And the record goes like this, Genesis 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together 
and make coverings for themselves. Every time I read that, because we had a fig tree in our backyard and it was very productive after my grandmother put my pony's poop around it because it was dying. And that thing shot up, and after a while, I could climb in that fig tree. And we had figs coming out of our ears. They made fig jelly and fig preserves, and we had figs. But I'm telling you what, the fig leaves on that tree got so big. And I know what fig leaves feel like. And I don't know if you've ever felt a fig leaf, but it ain't fruit of the loom. (laughs) And when you read that Adam and Eve covered themselves in fig leaves, you know they were in a hurry. And they covered themselves with fig leaves. Verse 8, and then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And you have to believe this was a regular occurrence because they walked with God. They fellowship with God. But on this occasion, he comes and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You can just see them. Eve, come on. Ouch. Ouch. And they're, and they, and they, and they're hiding. They're hiding from God. Remember playing hide and seek? Wonder where they are. And you know, you see your little kid, you know, and they're scrumming. I wonder, I wonder if they're over here, you know. And you just kind of play the game with them. But you know where they are. God knows where they are. God knows where they are. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? The question is not for God. God's not saying, I wonder where he is. No, no, he knows where he is. The question is for Adam and Eve. Where are you? I am not saying it self-righteously at all, but I'm telling you, I'm so happy. When the question is asked me, where are you? I can tell you. Because I couldn't say this five years ago. I couldn't say this six years ago. I have nothing to hide. I'm not touching the money of the church. I never have. I got nothing hidden from my wife. I don't view other things to try to get satisfaction sexually. I love my wife. And thank God, I'm not going to Jesus and Budweiser anymore. Hallelujah. Listen, when you're hiding, there's something wrong. Something's not right if you've got something in your life and you've got to keep it hidden. Where are you? <laughs> and he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. I was afraid. Note that. I was afraid. He's afraid what God's going to do. Because he knows he's messed up. What's God going to do? I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. But here's the, here's the million-dollar question. <laughs> you read the story. You keep reading. And, and he said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, look, that is not a trick question. It's straightforward. Have you disobeyed? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? And we all know what the right answer is. Here's the right answer. It's one word. Yes. Yes. It's a confession. I'm guilty. (laughs) 
This dude's married. He's married. All the guys are getting nervous now. And the man said to the question, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Is that the right answer? But we're still trying to do it. Listen, if I can blame my wife, I'm going to blame my wife. I'm telling you, we laugh, but it happened yesterday, and I had to confess it, and I have to ask her forgiveness. And if I told you what she did, on the surface, you would say it is her fault. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Let me say it again. If I told you exactly what happened, all the men in the room would say it was her fault. <laughs> That's not a confession. That's a passing the buck. And I want you to note, he's not only blaming his wife, He's blaming God. People do it. You don't understand my marriage. You don't understand my circumstances. And they try to psychologize sin. They try to psychologize it and try to, it's not really my fault. You don't understand. It's the circumstances of my life. And what Adam is saying, not only is it the woman's fault, it's God's fault because if he had given her a woman that wasn't inferior, this would have never happened. All God's looking for is just a confession. And you think the woman does any better? Let me encourage us, guys. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. They're both wrong answers. You can't blame the devil. Oh, yeah, he's deceptive. You believe the lie, though. It's your fault. You believe the devil instead of trusting God. You believe the devil and went his way instead of staying true to God. But I don't want you to miss, I was afraid. Pretty much everybody, even unbelievers, know John 3.16 because, you know, we put it up in football games and stuff, and it's on the screen, and people know. John 3.16, I know that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a great promise. But do you know the whole context? That's John 3.16. But if you go down to verse 19, here's what it says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Jesus. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Some people don't want to come into the light. They don't want to come clean because they want to keep living the way they're living and they won't come to the Savior and they won't find the forgiveness that he offers and they miss out on the joy. They miss out on the peace. They miss out on the fellowship with God. John 3.17 is one of the greatest verses. It's, it's as great as John 3.16. Here's what John 3.17 says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. The devil's trying to trick us. He's doing a pretty good job of it. And people, broad is the road. Broad is the road that leads to destruction and few there are that find it. Not because it's not clear which way to go. Narrow is the road that leads to life. 
And few there are that find it. Why? Because these guys want to keep doing what they're doing. They just want to keep living the way they're living. But if you come this way, it starts with saying, I'm naked. And fig leaves ain't going to do it. If you read the whole story in Genesis, it says God covered Adam and Eve with skin. If I'm a betting man, I got my money on lamb. I think a lamb was sacrificed and Adam and Eve were covered with the garment of sacrifice. And that's what God wants to do. He just, we're so stubborn. We're so foolish. We want to believe. We believe the lie that going away from God is the way to go. What are you talking about? You're so deceived. You believe the lie. The Pharisees, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They get this woman. They catch her in the act of adultery. They grab her. They drag her. I put her clothes on. Somehow she gets, I don't know, she's fully clothed when they get her out there, but she did Thrust her out in front of the crowd, you know, and in front of Jesus. And they say, Moses says this woman needs to die. She deserves to die. What do you say? And you know what he said? You're right. That is what is written in the law. Here's what we'll do. Whoever is without sin, you're first in line. You get, you get the first rock, first shot. Nobody came forward. And here's what the record tells us. From the oldest to the youngest, they began to go away. Why from the oldest to the youngest? Because the longer you live, the more sin you got racked up, the more grace and mercy you need. And they go away from the oldest to the youngest until nobody is there except Jesus and the woman. There's no doubt she is crying. There's no doubt. I think she's probably covering her eyes and Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? And you can see her wiping the tears away and looking around, and nobody's there but her and Jesus. <laughs> what she says to her is amazing. Where are your accusers? She says, they're gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Here's the invitation. This is Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. He will never break the door down. He will never force it open. You have to open it. I want you to be able to say, like I can say, I want you to be able to say when you leave here, I got nothing to hide. Now, we're not talking about sinless perfection. Please understand. Don't misunderstand. We're talking about habitual sin that you know you're involved in, whether it's you're viewing pornography or you're, you're drinking too much and you're hiding it from your wife or your husband or you're, you know, you're, you're filled with lust or whatever it is, or you're dishonest with money, uh, you know, or you're not paying your taxes, whatever it is, you, you know what it is. So we're not talking about sinless perfection. We're talking about sin that you know that you're keeping hidden. Listen, don't keep it hidden anymore. And understand, all Jesus is looking for and all the Father is looking for is for us to come clean. If you'll just confess it and be willing to turn from it, just like, just like that. Just like that. Forever, we come alive. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the books of the New Testament with Pastor Danny Hodges, right here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the Bible by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you in person. Join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, New Testament Highlights, be reminded that all these books provide a glimpse into God's heart for every person. His word is like a lighthouse, showing the way for lost ships at sea. Each person is a lost ship, floundering in the dark waters until they see that beam of light that directs them back to land. Throughout scripture, Jesus is that beam of light, lighting the path to safety. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny as he teaches in the New Testament right here on The Living Word.